0: Welcome to the Inner Huddle. A youth football development podcast for parents, coaches, and managers of young aspiring footballers. Your hosts from Peza Street Soccer are Pez and Jeff. You're listening to the Inner Huddle. And as always, got Jeff in the studio and Donna on controls. Let's get back to the Inner Huddle questions. What is your opinion on Man of the Match Awards? Are you asking me or are you asking us in general? Yes. Okay. Um, Man of the Match Awards. Um, firstly, it's politically incorrect. Before Donna picks up...
1: Player the match, of the Match.
0: Yes, exactly. Politically incorrect, yes, it should be um, Player of the Match. But I know what they're getting at. Um, personally, for the younger age groups, Jeff, I'm not a fan. Don't like it. Never done it. I don't think you've not... Well, you did run a team, didn't you? Was it under 10s a few years ago?
2: Yeah, and I do remember you did do... Um, team player of the game didn't you for a little while so.
0: yeah and then when I started what my team is now I, I sacked it all off completely I, I just thought it was a load of nonsense if I'm honest yeah and I know it sounds harsh but it looks great for mum and dad for a nice Facebook post but you can uh, imagine
1: it causes some um, angst between the players as well if you if you do that sort of thing but you know what the,
0: the, being serious there's it goes down to one person's opinion normally and when I first realised that it was a complete waste of time was when one child won one of these Man of the Match, as it was then, awards, and he actually said, I don't need to try next week because nobody ever wins it two weeks on the trot because oh. it gets shared around everyone and everyone has to have it and kids are a lot more switched on than you think. Yeah. Um. So just thought, what a load of
2: load of nonsense. Yeah, and someone could be trying their heart out one game and think they've deserved it and not get given it because it's being shared around.
0: You've got to think of everything and just because it's tradition and we have Man of the Match Awards and we were young doesn't make it right and I know some people think it's a bit airy-fairy to not have it and won't change anything but I don't like them because as you say there might be three or four kids that work really hard or a kid who worked really hard and has had a worldy game but he had it last week and you can't give it to him two weeks on the trot and it's just a little bit of a farce. Um, And like I say, good for parents for a nice Facebook post of how proud they are of Tiny Tim getting Man of the Match award. But as far as I'm aware, most kids under 12 aren't on Facebook, so who are you doing it for? So there we go. Controversial, possibly, but that's just what I think on it. Shall we move swiftly on? Donna.
1: What is your view on children playing in all sorts of positions? My son's team recently lost a game where the natural striker played centre-back. Would they not be better to have more of a similar position? Mm. They have spent four years practising their skills and touch So sh- Time to move on. <laughs>
0: Jeffrey. Um, it's another common one, isn't it, bud?
2: First of all, I don't like the word natural in anything that we read. Yes. Not, not to pick out whoever's... Why is he a
0: natural striker? Yeah. You know? Got a goal in the back garden
2: and that's all, all they do is smash a ball at a goal. And...
0: Yeah. We're, I mean, we're great believers in nothing's natural. Yeah. Although I do believe that there are children who are born with a natural aptitude towards learning things a little bit quicker than others, maybe. Um, it's all nature-nurture thing, I guess. But yes, I agree, don't like the word natural, because when you analyse it, the one who's probably banging the goals in has played up front for other teams all his life and has got a goal in his back garden and does nothing but smash the ball at the goal. Which would be a perfect example of someone who does need to play at centre-back, I would have thought, to learn the game.
2: Yeah, that, everyone I've ever looked up to that helped me to become... A football player at any level, um, they would say learn the game from the back and then move forward as you get older if you want to be a striker. So you want... I
0: think this will have a stint in goal as well. It's yeah. good for your confidence yeah. to get thrown in and you, you learn a little bit more about the pressures and angles and all sorts of things. So I'm not with this guy on this one. I think depending on what age, by the way, if they're 16 or 17 or something and they're still rotating, and then maybe it's a little bit different. Um, Peter Check played out on pitch
2: until he was 16, and then went in goal and has been a Premier League football
0: goalkeeper. Who was that? Sorry, Peter Check. Peter Check. Arsenal and Chelsea. But Jamie Carragher started as a centre forward, didn't he? All his youth level, and then ended up at centre half. Sol Campbell was a striker and ended up back at There's centre half. There's loads of well. examples of it, so I think it's healthy. Again, it goes back to to what your team is trying to achieve, and you need to set out this at the start of the season, or even when you first get this group of kids. What's your goal? What's your end game? If it's to develop kids to be the best that they can be, then they got to play in different positions. If it's to win a league or win matches and pat each other on the back, then you probably would stick them to positions. This, that's
2: what the question's getting at, isn't it? Because it said they spent four years practising in this, these roles and then suddenly they're in a different...
0: So I know you sent this in, to be fair, and I think they're getting a little bit frustrated with having fantastic players in a team and not getting the results that... They think the children deserve sometimes because of all the effort they've put into their individual training. And it is frustrating, but those players tend to be better players than the teams we're playing against. But they've possibly spent longer drilling positions and finding out what works for them. Um, To win a game of football, it depends what your own game is. Do you know what age group it is then? Um, Yeah, it's young.
2: Yeah, okay, so don't worry about positions. Let's no. share it around and give everyone a go. Everyone.
0: What age, Geoffrey, do you think positions and things like that should come into to question? Where you think, right, okay, this player's definitely showing qualities to be a full back or a centre forward.
2: Again, that could be different for everybody. Okay. Because Gareth Bale spent his whole youth, I think, playing left back. And yeah, he did. Started his career, professional career playing left back, and now he's a attacking midfielder or. When he can get a game. In, and around the strikers, isn't he? So yeah but that could be totally different for the next person. And someone might be better off being in a fixed position. It depends what your ceiling is and where you want to go with things, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and I hate to be harsh again, but I am often harsh, but anyone. It doesn't take a lot of skill to put together, recruit a bunch of kids together and drill them to win a game of football and to be competitive. It's, It's an art and it's much more difficult to have you know, the individual needs of each child at heart and be a development team.
2: The the very best players can play anywhere, can't they, pretty much? Wayne Rooney in his prime could have played anywhere on the pitch. Yeah. Most players can, so you're better off learning every position and being the best you can be. Set your ego aside if it's youth football and take a few losses, but learn a few lessons along the way. That's... Ego, isn't it? If you're getting beaten, it's, you're thinking, oh, we should be beating yeah, these if we it, were in our positions.
0: It is a little bit of ego, but I think also it is frustrating when you sometimes when, don't get what you deserve. Say, oh, we're miles better than them. Look how good we are. Um, the kids are miles better than their kids, yet we've been beaten. Mm. But you have to then revert back to what your end game is and what your goals are and what your ethos and your and beliefs pa- are. Parents
2: have to know that. So when they're you getting set beat, it out of the start and they're thinking, we shouldn't be getting beat
0: yeah. and they might need reminding of that from time yeah. to time. You know. good question though Brilliant. and and very common and actually there's a bit of a theme coming with most of these questions isn't there about individual over team and things like that so question number nine i took my son to a new club recently and they spent the whole session doing fitness testing they are under 10s and my son is nine is this too young do going to throw this over to you as a parent You've taken your child who's shown a bit of interest in football along to a session and they've done nothing but a bleep test for an hour and a half and fitness testing. What would you think?
1: One, you don't do bleep testing with kids that age, I don't think. Okay. In my opinion, I, that's not... And two, you've gone to go and see what the club's about and to meet people and to play football and to mingle, not to just run up and down a, a hall or a field doing bleep tests. Bleep Is it beep or bleep?
0: Bleep, bleep I believe.
1: You can tell like, I don't run, can't
0: you? you? You can tell I've never done one in my <laughs> <laughs> But um, firstly, I'm pretty surprised at this stage of the season, because this question's only just come in, um, for that they're actually doing fitness. Why would you do a fitness test at any age at this stage of the season? And is
1: that for, like, upper-level groups? You
0: mean academies and academies things Academies like and like. things Yeah, like I think like... so. Maybe really? in the summer as, um, as kind of a base point, so you can maybe do it again at Christmas and um, test how their fitness levels are and maybe again... I don't know. I don't know why you would do it. Certainly wouldn't do it. They should all be pretty fit now. They've been playing all season. Yeah, you know, we should group. have
2: done our homework on this and found out the stats, but you can't actually stretch kids physically and improve them that much. There's a, a ceiling on how far they can go with it so that you're not you're not maximising your time, basically. If you haven't got a ball involved and you're not yeah, improving as football players and you're just running up and down in straight lines... We wouldn't do it, would we? Because let's I'd have it right, not for that age group. have it right i wouldn't even do it with my adults team because i'm not maximizing the time i get with them i get two hours a week with them why would i do a bleep test yeah they can go and have a run themselves and try and improve their time
0: it strikes me that wherever this was that they were just trying to show off how professional they were again and mimicking things that they think parents want to see that perhaps professional clubs do and it's it's not good because it's not maximizing your time and it's not helping them you know to develop as footballers i've seen it before and then they'll get into a match afterwards and some of them can hardly kick a ball five yards and can't mm. control it and are one-footed. And you think, well, you'd have been better off spending the last hour you've been wasting on fitness tests to um, to actually improve them as footballers. I don't know. Might be it's a nonsense, hush.
2: isn't it? Because they can turn around and go, oh, well, we can measure how fit they're getting and it's, we're accountable for if they're getting fitter. And-
0: yeah, do you know the only time it might come in handy is if you have got players who are especially in an obesity crisis at the moment, a little bit on the tubby side, and it's a difficult subject to broach with individual parents to actually have the data to say, well, your child's come bottom of this fitness test. I think you might need to work on it without having to go to them and say, you know, I've noticed. Yeah, That's the only, with that age group, that I could see possibly. But uh, There must be
2: better ways of doing that. You could have a whole... You don't have to single out an individual, and everyone keeps a food diary for a week, and just then compare it to what an athlete's diet should look like. The Inner Huddle
0: from Pezza Street Soccer. Welcome back to the Inner Huddle Show. We've been uh, banging out some tunes today, Jeffrey. It's just uh, as a sh- always a shame that we edit them out for the uh, the podcast. And talking to the podcast, it is available edited um, on iTunes and well, just about anywhere where you can get podcasts. Um, and I had a little look this morning, Geoffrey, to see what the top countries were that have been listening to it. Obviously, you take out United Kingdom. Next was Ireland. So, yeah, we've got a pretty good following in Ireland. Then it's Australia, then America, and then randomly, from absolutely nowhere, Finland. We've got a bit of a following in Finland. Hello to all our uh, <laughs> Finnish friends. I've always wanted to say that on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing anyway should we get back to the serious business jeffrey yes <laughs> <laughs> i love this show and i love you right question number 10 i believe jeff you can have a stab at this one. Oh, the longest one here You're the longest one here we know you sent this one in as well so we'll try and add as much value as we can great question again i have 20 lads training
2: with me as we play saturday and sunday this year All can play every week. Next season, it looks like they will only play in the test way on Saturdays. How do I keep 20 players of varying ability and commitment happy with potentially less games? I try to make training more important than games, but parents often value games more highly. So they're going from playing Saturday and Sunday with 20 players to go across two squads to playing Saturdays only. How are they going to keep 20 players happy?
0: Honest answer. Very tricky. And I'm I'm not sure there's going to be an easy answer to this one, not trying to cop out or sit on the fence. But as I've already mentioned with some of the other questions, I think it's very important to speak to the parents and the children and find out what their goals and aspirations are and have some shared, shared vision, some shared goals and some shared principles. And that's your baseline to refer to. And whatever answers you get back will help you to make the tricky decision of where you're going with it, if that makes sense, Jeff. Yep. So if it's if the majority come back and say, we want to win the league, and that's the shared goal, and that's what we want to do, and, and the manager buys into that, then it's going to be a very different answer to if they all come back and say, actually, we just want to stay together as friends, um, the social side of it, and develop as much as we can individually and as a team as a group then your answer is going to be different is that sitting on the fence too much or yeah i think I was... you need to know it's it's because it's so difficult you need to know what everyone wants i think why not start
2: our own futsal league in the area so they can play that on a separate night i'm or glad a you've day. got the spare
0: time to do it yeah
2: <laughs> well they might you see so they've got one less day where yeah. they've got to go to a game well, that not be the first people to start a youth futsal league in the
0: area. Yeah, and they could play
2: idea. our club, our soccer schools. I don't know who else might want to be interested to enter in their age group.
0: Help grow the game. So Help grow the game. They might idea.
2: have ten lads that want to play futsal, and twenty lads that want to play football. It might be different mm-hmm. to that. The percentage 15 might want to play football, five want to play futsal. Whatever it is, find a way. And um, you love futsal, don't you? I Jeff? do love it, and I just think it's always good to be the first to do something. And if they were the first people to start this, and then it grows, what a legacy they would have left behind for youth football and yeah. futsal.
0: well, we shall see what the the gentleman who we both know uh, who sent this question in thinks yeah. about that. And, and I'm sure he's listening. When now. you've
2: had larger squads before, you've you've had them play each other after the game. And yeah, things, I mean,
0: you? I've I've written down a couple of things that could help, and I don't know whether he's thought of them or not. But if if it's if you're end goal your shared goal is development then i'd suggest splitting them into do they play nine a side i think they do the age group he is if so split them into two teams of 10 um randomly each week pretty randomly as you can get and then play a half each was a good starting point and then when you're at home games you can stay on a little bit later afterwards and play each other yeah so you're getting the same amount of playing time, and it's all with development in mind. Now if your shared goal is to win the league, you might have to, we hate the term, but pick a, an A and a B type thing, depending on what age group it is. wouldn't recommend that to you know to younger ones. But maybe a question for a debate for another show, Jeff. But based on merit and form, you could, if that's what your shared goal is, pick one to play the match. And then you could ask the opposition whether they'd be happy to then play a development match afterwards. So you could then play the squad of your other ten or whatever it might be in a development match. Yeah, um, how good could training
2: be if you've got always your 9v9, which is what you play, and you can play each yeah. other and mix it? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Because th- normally the problem with training is you might have a squad of 12 for 9v9 and nine of them turn up. So you're only ever working with... Yeah. A phase of play, or it's, it becomes difficult. Whereas with that, it's, that's quite exciting. Actually, that you can. So There's really quite work. a few positives you yeah. can
0: actually take from what is perceived to be quite a negative um, situation that yeah. they found themselves in. Um, yeah, I think I think find your, your what your shared baseline goals and vision is for the majority of the squad, and then and then go from there and work out the positives. And if we can be any more help, then. The guy's got our number and he can ring us up yeah. and we can we can go from there.
2: You could be really clever with it and try and play two games on one day for your weekend and that will free up half your season to have an extra training session on that what would be your match day. So you could really, really develop everybody really quickly because you get an extra training session in because you've fitted in half your season of playing.
0: Yeah, so you could actually split them into two and play... Instead of training, you could have a match night where they play against each other so they're getting game time in Mm. and then from that, picking a squad of 10, 11, 12 to go and play in a a match. So everyone over the course of the season is getting the game time. Don't get me wrong, there's going to be problems whichever way you do it, but if you've got a shared vision, you can always go back to that and say, well, actually, we've all agreed that Mm. we want development first or we want to put winning first and you've got something to refer to. Tricky one. I hope that helps. Mm. Happy? Great question again. Another great question. He's a great guy. Yeah. Right. Question number 11. Donnie, you've gone very quiet in there. Are you still awake? Would you like to read the next question? Do
1: I dare? Okay, I'll do it slowly this time. I've done a bit of coaching over the years for boys. My daughter is now starting to show an interest in playing football. What are the main differences between coaching boys and girls? In my
0: experience, not much at all. What about you, Jeff. Um
2: I actually think... I don't know if this is controversial or not. I think girls listen much better than boys and
0: they're more
2: like sponges and will take more in.
0: Do you know what? I've written the same thing in my notes, so at least we're both being controversial. um, I've always found girls to be better at the technical training from a very young age. I think they often realise quicker that they want to improve individually as a player and get a lot out of that. Than a lot of the younger boys who just want to play matches and compete. I think a lot of girls realise the importance in training and actually feel the benefit from it and want to improve. Whereas boys are like, is it match time? Is it match time? I want to compete, score goals, tackle, all that kind of stuff. If you're talking five, six, and seven year olds. Um,
2: this is only our experience. It's totally experience. different. Couldn't yeah. It? Yeah.
0: It's interesting. Let me read the question again. I don't know whether they're saying that they want their daughter to get involved with girls' football and they want to coach them themselves or, or what, what their end goal is behind this. But you know, there's been a massive push recently for girls' football, which is great. Um, I think Phil Neville going in as the England manager and they're throwing a lot of money at grassroots girls' football, which has been fantastic. But if you're, if you're wanting to get your daughter involved um, and you're local... Then there's footy for girls in Andover. I would always look for somewhere that's got a history of coaching girls football. The reason I say that is because there's a lot of these wildcats things popping up all over the place, um, and I, which is just girls specific football. Have you seen it, Jeff? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Which is great, and I love it. But I sometimes wonder with some of them, well, why weren't you doing girls football before? Yeah. Why did it take you to get whatever is funding, a couple of grand or something? to suddenly be into girls football and you could have been doing it before so you know that's just me being a little bit dubious and they might all be wonderful but i would look for ones that have got history of doing girls football like footy for girls in handover i think laverstock do a wildcats one yeah but they've always done women's football and been very good at it and, and are into it and it's their passion so That's where I would take them anyway, where it's been someone's passion before all of this got kicked off with all the the funding and stuff. Um, Anything to add? No, I think you covered that very (laughs) well. That's because I wrote a few notes, Geoffrey. I was up early this morning and uh, had a look at all the questions. And uh, clearly you didn't. But, you know, one of us has got to.
2: I did used to coach at the Wiltshire Girls Centre of Excellence. You did? And I would say if it is a a girls-only session, you you might find the mixture of abilities is much more broad. So, Yeah. Uh, I was coaching under 16s at the time and I also was coaching um, Salisbury's boys under 16s at the time. Now, I had maybe two or three girls there that were as good if not better than some of the boys I was coaching and then I had some girls that could literally barely kick a ball because they had far less experience of playing football. So your your sessions have got to be tailored to everybody in your group. And whereas normally with...
0: you don't quite meet anybody's when you do that, do you? No, you, you can
2: do, but then you're going to go back to the way that our style of coaching where you have a ball each and you set different challenges for each mm-hmm. individual and you can, they're all on their own pathway and things like that. But, um, whereas with the boys' session, there will be mixed abilities always in every group, but their abilities are much closer to each other more often than not.
0: Yeah, I can see that being a problem. Um, but... It is fantastic that it is becoming much more popular and I mean I've had a girl in my team for four seasons now, um and actually she went down to the Southampton trials last summer, and they wanted to sign her um and through discussions with various people um and people who know more about girls football than than I do and mum, um, we decided it wasn't the right place them because of that massive difference in abilities and she'd been playing all her life and was you know I'm biased but clearly I thought the best player there and it's all about again individual needs and what they're gonna best to get out of it yeah. and even at a pro club it might not at that time she was be... better off where she was yeah we think uh it might change this summer yeah we shall see but as always and we always go back to it and it's not sitting on the fence it's about the individual again isn't it and remembering that it is a team game but it is played by individuals um, and they all have different wants and needs uh, Jeffrey, even though you read out the last question I think you want to read this one out simply <laughs> because it's the shortest question of them all and it's number 12 and
2: not the number that follows it which I hate okay mate what's your favourite age group to
0: coach? PESA. My favourite age group to coach. Um, Personally, I prefer the tiny ones, this five to seven-year-old sort of age bracket. Um, I find it very rewarding. And that is the age group that I've probably studied the most and looked into the psychology behind it um, and become what I like to think is a bit of a specialist, although I'm still learning and still improving, which any good coach should do, continue. But yes, that's that's my favourite age group. It's fun. Um, there's an innocence about it. Um, and the impact that you can have, you can see it. Yeah. You know, if you're coaching 12, 13, 14, 15, you can't always see it and you get sucked into judging progress by results. When it's five and sevens and it's not about winning and results, you can see what impact you're having on them as human beings as well as footballers and I love it You know, if if they're 5 and 6 and you're working on their weak foot and you do it for 4 weeks you can see an improvement they're like sponges it's um, it's quite incredible and I actually think it's the most important age group and I think it's Ajax who actually, their highest paid coaches are with the youngest age groups because they realise it's the most important to get the right foundation and that's about their mindset and getting a growth mindset and the psychology behind it
2: it's the opposite way around to this country. Yeah, it's yeah. like,
0: oh, we've got a little toddler group. We'll give them to the sixteen-year-old and just give them a ball each and go and do some skills. Wrong. It's yeah. it's so much more important than that. You are setting their psychology and their growth mindset and the way they deal with mistakes and misfortune that can help them with other areas of their their life. Your confidence building. It's crucial. So, anyone listening out there. Make sure if your child's involved or wants to get involved in football at that age group that they're with someone who knows what they're on about. It is that important. We do get it the wrong way around in this country, don't we? 100%. Is that yes. a bit long-winded if the simple answer was five to sevens? But well, I do like to waffle on, don't I,
2: So I like the eight to nines because you've generally done all the hard work. Or,
0: <laughs> and then pass them on. Yeah.
2: And then yeah. I get to really stretch them with what I think is much more exciting skills than the 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 core foundation skills that we do and and you can again it but you see the progress over four or five weeks and then if you know you show a really complicated skill to someone that age and they're thinking oh no way i'm doing that and in four or five weeks time they're nailing it better than you because yeah, you've them.
0: nailed the growth mindset from an yeah. early age when we get children coming in later who've been at other places and they don't want that challenge they want mm. everything to be easy and again, it's the process and the outcome. The outcome might be this difficult drill, this difficult skill. And we've taught them to fall in love with the process of how you're going to overcome that challenge and learn from your mistakes. That's the crucial bit. You know, and it comes in a bit later of your 11 plus and things like that that they want to do. You can transfer these psychological things and this mindset from football into anything. Yeah, um, That's why it's so important. And what we're very passionate about at Pezza Street Soccer, isn't it? And why we get so upset sometimes when we see mistakes being made and and children coming out of this growth mindset and this culture that that, that would help them to develop as human beings again, isn't it? Yeah. It's more than just football. There is more important things than football. Football's easy. I get slated every time I say it. But I'll say it again, football's the easy part. You give Give me ten kids who are passionate about football at five years old, and by the time they're nine, I'll have them all technically good enough to be signed at a pro club. I swear, and I know that's a big statement, it's the easy bit. Yeah. The hard bit is developing a culture um, and an environment where they can get things psychologically right. And it's very but hard to do because
2: there's so many other factors in their life that you can't control, isn't there? That we're yeah. going to go home and dad's going to be talking about how many goals did you score and then your son doing any good work that you might be doing
0: and it's hard because it's all done with the best interests yeah, yeah no parent actually wants to psychologically harm their child in any way um which is one of the reasons why we've done this show so that we can try and get the message out there for how important some of this is and not just about football and also that age group is great because everyone even the parents sort of buy into it that it's not about winning it's about having fun and all of that at that age and then when they get a little bit beyond that under nines under tens it starts getting a bit more serious hence that question that came in earlier about we've been doing skills for four years we need to win 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 now type attitude it shifts doesn't it the emphasis shifts from fun and development to suddenly the outcome is about measurable results which becomes not so much fun for me some people thrive on that but um not for me yeah, it's you know, and when in our soccer school at that age group, I'll only put people in there that I really trust. Yeah, because um, it is that important. In a huddle from Pezza Street Soccer.
1: After listening to your <laughs> podcast, I'm starting a <laughs> futsal night out for my under-11s. Do you have any tips or advice for me?
0: I think you threw in a night out there. where It's just night, but you know, I don't what? like to be picky. They're under-11s are <gasps> not going to have a big night out, are they, Donna? Oh, I'll read the next one. But anyway, right, first thing, that's brilliant. Well, I've listened to this podcast and they want to get into futsal. That's all down to you, Jeff. You're Mr. Futsal. You can answer this one.
2: Got to do it properly. So it's got to look like futsal. Even from the England manager and previous England managers that have managed the futsal teams, they don't want to see people doing futsal with a the football. They don't want to see you playing off the walls. They want to see you playing to lines. They want it to be 5v5 Um and it to look like futsal, otherwise you're just football coaches doing futsal to tick a box, so go and get it right. Research what futsal is, and it's got to look
0: something like futsal. The simple answer is do it properly. Yeah. If you're going to do it, go all in. But
2: great that you're going to do it.
0: Yeah, fantastic. You, you know, prime example that you've helped grow the game again, Geoffrey.
1: Could well they come done. and watch some of your uh, games? To get... Always
0: welcome. Anyone's yeah. welcome at any time. Get in touch. Doesn't matter what club, organisation you're a part of. Get in touch, come along, ask questions. And
2: We've got a home game in Salisbury on May the 6th, and then our final game of the season at home is on May the
0: 27th. Very nice. Excellent. Yes, come along, get get involved. But but believe in it. That would be what I would add to that, Jeff. Yeah. Don't just do it because everyone else is doing it, or because... Some people have done like, it and got success. Yeah, it looks like and... a good idea, or... You feel like you have to to keep up with someone else. Do you have to believe in it? If you're doing it for football development, still
2: do futsal, though. It's got Because yeah. that's what develops good football players. Not something that, oh, we'll still use a football, but we're indoors. That's not futsal. That's indoor fiver side English
0: football. It's, it's not right. Yeah, because there was someone locally who started doing some futsal. And when we asked them about it, they said, oh, just because the FA said that we should do it. Or the yeah. FA told us to, or something like that. And you're like, well... you've got to believe in it. Yeah. Because then your parents have got to believe in it. But there we go. So, yeah, simple. Do it properly. Right. We haven't got long left, so we've got one question. So what I'll do is I'll read it out and then we'll have a rollover. And we'll roll this one over to the next Inner Huddle show. This is question number 14, which we will answer in full on the next Inner Huddle show. What are the most important things to look for in a grassroots football team? My son is seven and he loves playing in the part of his friends. And I think that'll be a great question to open the next show. Now, next week, we will come in for our normal, witty, banter, ramblings, talking about anything.
1: <laughs> normally
0: sport related because it's a sports show
1: if you have a question that you'd like to put to the boys for the next in the huddle then please do get in touch you can get in touch with them via your Facebook page can't they Sports Lunch with Peasant and Jeff yes and also you can give me an email donna.burns at castledownfm.com uh, give us your emails, give us your questions, and I can pass them over to the lads.
0: And actually, our next show is going to be a Foot Sale special because Jeff is obviously an expert. We're trying to get another guest in at the moment, but they're not sure because they're just changing jobs whether they can make it for that one. So we won't announce that yet. But we were safe in your hands, Jeffrey, anyway, aren't we? Because you are Mr. Foot Sale of the highest level in the country. Be in the huddle. A youth football development podcast for parents, coaches and managers of young aspiring footballers.
2: From Peza Street Soccer.